0: So, Selena, uh, divorce rates are up. Marriage is in decline. Mm -hmm. A lot of, you know, the conservative, more religious commentators within society saying that the institution of marriage is under attack. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why do you think this is the case? What do you you think is causing this kind of current turning away from the institution of marriage?
1: I think there are a couple of things. Um, You know, religion is um, well, well, I guess my experience is I'm seeing less people, um, wedded to religion as an institution. And so marriage isn't some religious kind of, um, pinnacle anymore. Um, I think the benefits of formally tying the knot are less compelling, um, these days, um, relative to just a typical de facto relationship um, I think those are kind of the main main reasons that it's becoming less common mm-hmm. um, and then you've got divorce rates as well people are I guess being a little bit more disillusioned by this romantic ideal of marriage being for life and mm-hmm. so if um, if marriage ultimately leads to divorce what's the point of it to begin with and so I think those kind of, um, contribute to a decline of marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, but having said all of that, and I'll let you kind of address what I've said, Mm -hmm. Um, having said all of that, I think people still want to get married.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's still kind of seen ultimately as a kind of pinnacle Mm. of relationship status. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's sort of, if you think of relationships on a kind of tier or hierarchy mm. Mm. from just like casual sex mm-hmm. or even sexless kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> friendship mm-hmm. and then sort of moving up to a more yeah. like long-term relationship yeah. Yeah. or even then like committed sort of de facto mm. it's like seen as the the apex of the mm. triangle if you yeah. Like. yeah i
1: think it's still an expression of this um of love like an ultimate expression of love
0: mm. Well, it's good. So I think you've raised so much there, Um, you know, and particularly this idea that, you know, um, modern couples, even those that are, you know, very happy in their sort of partnership Mm -hmm. um, might see sort of just more benefits in the fact of sort of being together and having commitment, but not necessarily needing to sort of tie the knot and certainly within uh, religious ceremony. And I think I want to revisit that when we're sort of discussing what marriage or at least partnership looks like Mm -hmm. in the 21st century but before we get to that I guess um something I think we can do is you know maybe let's steel man the position for marriage you Mm -hmm. know like what do you think uh sort of if we covered all the strengths and benefits Mm -hmm. of being in marriage that are maybe being lost or overlooked by modern generations who kind of Mm -hmm. see it as this outdated Mm -hmm. and you know potentially oppressive institution Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. you
1: know i guess lost benefits of of marriage almost
0: yeah well that's just like if you know Mm. i'm on the religious right Mm. or just you know conservative kind of or you know even just just super Mm. pro-marriage what would i be sort of telling young people and my kids what um you know all the benefits to marriage are i
1: i mean i think traditionally marriage serves, serve the purpose of being, you know, a stable structure and, um, for, for society, um, you know, to have these stable family units, um, it's a, a structure for order and, um, stability. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's one thing.
0: Explain that. How is marriage a structure for stability and order?
1: I mean uh, i think you'd probably explain it better um from our discussions
0: okay cool mm. well I, I can so I, I can outline a case for that mm. so I, I guess you know one way you can look at it is that we're all apes mm-hmm. and sort of chimpanzees that um like say our, our next most related animal in the, in the animal kingdom chimpanzees uh sort of like to to fuck and fight mm. and um you know are in these unstable violent kind of Mm -hmm. conflicts much of the time in in which um you know uh resources are scarce Mm -hmm. i guess um and uh men are often competing for sexual access to to women Mm -hmm. which obviously if you were to translate that to a human society it's not a very desirable society to sort of live in Mm -hmm. um And also, unlike many other animals, human beings are extremely resource intensive in terms of child rearing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that takes a long time and sort of um, women need a lot of stability and long term commitment and um, peace in many ways in order to rear children because they're so sort of vulnerable. And, you know, um, we touched on this last episode, but... Basically, um, you know, within societies and cultures that don't have what could be considered forced monogamy mm-hmm. or this sort of um, pair bonding, you get a lot more violent and unstable relationships within sexes and between sexes because um, you sort of tend to have males violently competing with one another mm-hmm. um, over sort of a monopoly of, um, you know, women. So you sort of end up with situations that can be and you do see this in in some cultures still that are um, polygamous mm-hmm. or you know bordering on the kind of you know ancient sort of empire um genghis Khan sort of mm-hmm. dynamic in which um you even have like concubines and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. where you know extreme sort of um uh, elites of society uh, men um monopolize and, and control um you know, the sexual access to women. And I guess it's in highly oppressive for those women that are sort of under the, the control of those men. And on top of that, it's really bad for men who are excluded from sort of access to, um, you know, the, the opportunity to sexually mm-hmm. reproduce. So ultimately, it, it just becomes an oppressive, violent kind of um, society that isn't good for the majority of men or women. Mm-hmm. And only really good for, I guess, the emperor or whoever, you know, the, the alpha male in the, in terms of the, the um, chimpanzee kind of situation. So what monogamy and pair bonding kind of does is it reduces violence, um, creates long-term shared kind of commitment of resources between men and women, and you also get this pairing-off effect which um, socialises um the sexual marketplace Mm -hmm. it no longer becomes sort of determined by competitive market Mm -hmm. free market forces Mm -hmm. which um have a tendency towards monopoly instead uh, it's just this forced equal distribution of Mm -hmm. of sort of sexual access um down the line and and that is quite a galvanizing force Mm -hmm. um Sure. And
1: yeah. we kind of touched on, a, on that in our previous podcast episode, with, mm. um, you know, our reflections on the current dating market and how, how at the moment uh, it almost seems like it was, it's been this, the sexual market has been dominated by um, people at the top of the hierarchy.
0: Well, yeah, it's been, it's one of the downsides to sexual liberation because it's literally the liberation of the sexual marketplace Mm. free night free market dynamics is sort of kicking in and i guess we spoke about that in the context of like the rise of um incels Mm. and also you know um successful high achieving women who are finding it harder to find what they see as their sexual equals Mm -hmm. um you even spoke about it offline that you know um you had the thought of sort of you know you're still you're have you're on the better side of thirty, i.e., like you're in your, your sort of mid to late twenties. Yes. But you'd had the thought about sort of freezing your eggs, mm. even potentially considering uh IVF mm. if required. Mm. You had that thought, even Definitely. though you're sort of not at that point and yet. I, and I know and, a few people
1: know. who who are in the in a similar bucket or similar scenario. And I, I mean, obviously this is anecdotal, but I do think that that. Um, population of women is on the rise people who have started to buy into the idea that you know you can focus on your career first and and maybe take a step back from um, family building and finding a partner Um, but while the mindset has moved on the biological clock remains rooted in uh, you know reality and so uh, that's why I think a lot of people have turned to IVF and Mm. um, egg freezing and yeah i think that's a a, a portion of people who are seeking that pathway these days
0: yeah so this i guess is is a big problem and you know the those of the kind of religious right and conservative ilk are sort of saying well this is what happens when you turn away from traditional institutions Mm -hmm. you've turned away from marriage now you've got all these unintended negative consequences Mm -hmm. is the solution though just to return to you know Women in the kitchen, men at work, uh, going to do marriage vows, mm-hmm. live happily ever after. All women mm-hmm. will be happy, mm-hmm. popping out kids and living the trad wife mm-hmm. role. Mm. Um,
1: but you know, I mean, when you think about that—that that woman who's turning to egg freezing and delaying the family building later down the down the line—how how could you say to them that you know? Um, to return to the to the kitchen that's not obviously something that they would no. find beneficial no and i'd agree yeah. and that's
0: why i think you know ultimately as you said at the start mm. um you you sort of can, can look at the strengths and benefits of modernity and also traditional values and pull out you know the mm. sort of stronger ideas of that in mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of the core substance of the ideas while rejecting some of the mm-hmm. sort of negative, and so what that probably more looks like in the twenty first century, is this acknowledgement that you know um, pair bonding is pretty good, mm-hmm. and commitment is good, especially for people that uh, you know actually do want to start a family. Mm-hmm. But um, you know there's a balance to be struck, and that mm-hmm. women can ultimately still have pretty fulfilling careers mm-hmm. and have children, mm-hmm. um, and do it within you know a reasonable time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, there's always going to be trade-offs involved, but they certainly don't have to return, you know, to the kitchen. Mm. And I'd certainly, yeah, reject that kind mm. of um, conservative notion yeah. that, that they do. It, it seems like the genie's out of the bottle, mm. uh, you know, in terms mm. of... And it's been a good thing. Mm. Um, So... Agreed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So that, I guess, is... <laughs> one of you know that, that that in in many ways that case that i just laid out in mm-hmm. terms of like social stability it's not one that's it, it's something that is often said by i think proponents of marriage but it's not actually fleshed out in that explicit detail they'll say child rearing and social stability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and people will sort of think oh okay but in actual real terms that's what it's sort of means. it's like the alternative mm-hmm. can be a lot more violent chaotic and chaotic and, yeah. um yeah before we move on what are some other just basic sort of strengths of marriage like one, one that comes mm-hmm. to mind is um actual f- financial stability in mm-hmm. that you know people together in a marriage with shared pooled mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. um again like the cost of living mm-hmm. becomes Absolutely. better
1: the economies of scale of living together as a family unit and um you know pooling resources uh having uh, the old, al- you know, the the adults kind of help the young. Uh, fam- yeah. you know, I think that's um, been recognised since forever. Um, and you know, I come from a um, Asian background, and so in in Chinese culture, um, the family unit is highly valued because because of all the reasons that we've already said. Um, you know, pulling together resources, out um, young people helping the elderly. Um. Adults helping kids, um, the the benefits have been um, seen, you know, since the beginning of time.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah I- exactly. And, and I I do see that. And I think it's important, given you know that we're living in a cost of living crisis now. Mm. Um, and for those who are single, they are really probably fucked over the most. Hundred percent. And you know, we we spoke last week about risk, and you know, you can look mm. at risk mm. through so many different aspects of sort of social analysis and it's a huge one in terms of like having two incomes mm-hmm. uh is a lot safer than being on a single income and, and looking after kids because if you yeah. get sick or something goes wrong suddenly there's you know a huge sort of uh, floor, and unless yeah. you have a safety net I uh, in terms of the, the literal the state mm-hmm. um sort of a government social safety net mm-hmm. you can really kind of fall through the cracks as a single yeah. parent in a way that um people in the the, the family unit with combined incomes one can get sick and you can still kind of chug along and and, you know it's just a more kind of uh better risk managed Mm. situation in many ways
1: and and more than just financial you know the benefits of um well humans are social creatures and so Mm -hmm. being able to bond with people in your own family unit and have that emotional nurturing um from observation is also beneficial Hmm. Mm.
0: yes and this is interesting as well because you know one of the criticisms of religion is that uh, sorry not of religion of marriage or or, you know it's just religious marriage it's sort of traditional marriages is that um you know we've just outlined a case for it better you know being financially beneficial Mm. and mutually so but um one of the big criticisms is that it's actually an institution through which to financially, you know, control and dominate Mm -hmm. and exploit women. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, while this might be true in a lot of contexts globally, um, in, you know, a contemporary developed economy like Australia, this is probably less true, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, Particularly I think because, you know, financial domination can occur totally outside of a marriage. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it is a hallmark of domestic abuse and violence when, Mm -hmm. you know, um, one member of the, one couple, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, one member of the couple is using their control to, uh, you know, um, sort of Mm -hmm. dominate the financial resources of Mm -hmm. the partnership Mm -hmm. um but i I wouldn't say that that's yeah it's not unique to to marriage you know at least within our societies so to my mind that your criticism loses a little bit of you know Uh its potency
1: i think you're completely right it's not a marker of marriage and i would say in fact it's a marker of how society operates in general you know when you, think, when you pick apart why exactly uh, men have that um, power to begin with, it's because women have traditionally been given the role of home building, which isn't financially income generating. It's work, it's valuable work, but it's not attached to a, num- a financial number. Mm. Whereas the role of men traditionally have been to, to, to do uh, income paid work. Mm-hmm. and so that's where the where the power dynamic um ha- happens that's how it's built
0: mm-hmm. yes yes it's true and, i mean it's interesting that you say this is we're taking a bit of a side tangent here but apparently you know statistically mm-hmm. on average there are still inequalities that kind of persist along the traditional archetypal male female roles mm-hmm. in relationships in that apparently women still would perform a sort of Mm. A disproportionate share of um, domestic labour yeah. than yeah. what men do, yeah. even in you know um, couples where they mm. work the same paid employment yeah. hours. Yeah. I think and that's call it so, the invisible load. Is yeah, that the terminology for it. Uh, something or not I've heard yeah. a few different descriptions, but uh, you know that that is what I guess mm. you could consider a hangover mm-hmm. of um,
1: yeah. traditional stereotypes. Yeah, makes sense. And and going back to uh, I guess our, our previous. Um, that we're talking about Uh, when we think about um you know the argument that um the marriage is a way to financially control women but if you strip away the marriage structure um and just have man woman child if the woman is spending the majority of her time looking after the kid and working on that side of things she's still kind of controlled by finances you know in, in that um there's no way to kind of get financial freedom and financial autonomy.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you know, I I guess the thing is that, you know, in terms of leveling that as a criticism Mm. at marriage, Mm -hmm. you can always push back and say, well, it's not exclusive to marriage. You know, that can happen in just a de facto relationship. Um, You know, some might even argue that like... (laughs) Capitalism in and of itself just, it sort of does that to women. That's so a whole other
1: conversation. It is
0: a whole other conversation. Yeah. Now, I, I guess, um, you know, one, again, further criticism of marriage um, is that, you know, not only financial domination, but like sexual exploitation of women as well. Mm-hmm. When, you know, uh, traditionally in marriage, women sort of become the property of men. And therefore, you know, and it's true up until some kind of fairly recent date. I think maybe the nineteen sixties or seventies or something. Mm. I may even be later. Mm. um, Men could kind of rape their partners Mm. within marriage, and it wasn't. There wasn't a legal definition Mm -hmm. for rape outs within marriage because Mm. um, it it seemed absurd that a man couldn't just demand sex when he wanted it. Yeah, like the
1: definition of rape fell outside of mar- the marriage mm. construct by, mm. by definition at the time. Yeah.
0: And and so that's a probably a, a strong argument, you know, as to why marriage is exploitative to, to women. And it's mm. historically mm. true. And, mm. and I'd say within, again, more oppressive kind of cultures, mm. um, there's probably, again, not a questioning of sort of men's access mm. to their wife sexually. Mm-hmm. Um
1: and yeah. I think the argument again can be made that it's not marriage as a um, a form or a or a tool in a, in and of itself, but more the way that society is um, the, more the way that society is kind of geared against women in general. And so, if, if you think about the the solution uh, put forward to um, alleviate Um, woman sexual exploitation it's not to take away marriage completely but it's more to um, kind of rework people's perceptions about consent and respect and things like that
0: yeah it's the it's the it's the difference between living in a sexist oppressive culture Mm. and a modern Mm. egalitarian culture between the sexes Mm. Mm -hmm. marriage isn't the defining feature of whether or not it's Exploitative going to happen or not, or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: it's ultimately down to to the individual players within the society and not mm. the 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 form of marriage
0: i find this very interesting because you're seeing increasingly at least on social media you know those proponents of marriage in kind of um counterpoint to those that would say that historically it's been an oppressive sexually exploitative institution against women Um, there's this increasing sort of awareness of a counter-argument that um, the casual sexual landscape and and the Mm. the liberated sexual marketplace is increasingly becoming a a place in which the sexual exploitation of women occurs Mm. and that marriage is actually the antidote to that because sexual exploitation or sexual exchange can only take place in the context of a committed relationship in which uh, men are making a commitment to sort mm-hmm. of um, share their resources and mm-hmm. yeah you commit mm-hmm. to you know emotionally and financially to the the partner that they're having sex with mm-hmm. whereas within um casual sexual dynamics Mm -hmm. um casual sex there's a Mm -hmm. a a a theory a school of thought that you know almost all casual sex in Mm -hmm. some ways is um exploitative of of women Mm -hmm. you know what what do you Mm -hmm. think about that idea
1: i think we kind of touched on that in the last podcast uh, around casual sex being less of a Benefit relative to the risk or the cost for females in comparison to men. To men, so yes. men, you know, they they risk less in engaging in casual sex. They, um, and that's because they, they're, just, they're
0: bigger, they're stronger. Yeah. Um, they don't and, have
1: the physical burden of carrying a child. A
0: child that was the big one, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And
1: um, you know, they they get the benefits of status. They get ben- the benefit of sex. Um, whereas for, for females and
0: on that, even the way they're wired, mm-hmm. you know, on average, again, in generalizable terms, um, it's just more gratifying mm-hmm. the, the, the male brain mm-hmm. is sort of sexually wired on average mm-hmm. s- differently to women. And I'm
1: sure there's some statistic about the female orgasm, which, um, we can kind of pull up later, but it's anecdotally harder for females to orgasm, um, in general, not to mention in a casual sex Mm. kind of relationship, because um, you you do want to feel comfortable. Um, There's a lot going on in that dynamic. And so sex, like you said, sex, I think, and this might be a bit of a generalization, but sex can be less gratifying for females in general.
0: I think um, this sort of statistics you might be referring to or something I've heard that's similar is that women report being much happier Mm. in longer term committed relationships and report having better more enjoyable sex mm. so um yeah and i think yeah. a lot of that is just about psychological safety and yeah, kind 100%. of security yeah. um and, and,
1: and yeah so so the benefits for women um are less in a casual sex um relationship whilst they front so much more of the risk in terms of you know um pregnancy injury um reputation yeah
0: yeah yeah a, a funny one I just want to quickly touch on, which, you know, I, I shouldn't dismiss it as much as what I do, but the, the counter to the the uh, sort of feminist arguments against marriage is one that's emerged out of the sort of manosphere and mm-hmm. red pill space, which is that um, marriage is actually exploitative for men too, financially, because it's like a drain on their resources mm-hmm. and, you know, particularly in sort of um, the divorce settlement processes, they often get fucked financially and get taken you know for for fools um by the sort of system and so yeah what, what do you think about that criticism of of marriage well
1: i i think if you ascribed a an hourly rate to women's work um in household labor i think that might even tip the female mm. um behind in terms of that divvying up of assets you know females take a step back in the career when they um focus on home building um they they don't get the same amount of superannuation superannuation um yeah i I think it's because society as a whole uh, again touching on what i said earlier ascribe a financial value to the work that men do and a non-financial value to the work that women do
0: so my pushback that would be that you're talking in very generalizable Mm -hmm. average average terms Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i think there's always going to be cases in which there are men that are completely equal with all the housework Mm -hmm. and would say you know how you know however much you know being divorced and Mm -hmm. the woman sort of taking half the house or whatever it is Mm -hmm. in no way makes up for you know the the actual contribution of Mm -hmm. resources um etc um and you know particularly as well you said a few statements that again could receive some pushback mm-hmm. in that like you said society sort of values mm-hmm. more the, the work that men do and and less the work that women do and you could say that well, ever since women have been allowed into the workforce that's just demonstrably not true in mm-hmm. that if you look at average incomes mm-hmm. um you know you're right men actually i think do of average artist is paying getting paid more mm-hmm. but there's no law or mm-hmm. structure that actually asserts that it's mm-hmm. more just kind of the way that cultural norms end up sort yep. of panning out and
1: to be fair i i was more addressing that scenario you described where women are you know taking all yeah, this financial yeah. Yeah. Um, monetary asset away from men whereas you know if we're talking about um women and man in a heterosexual relationship where they're both working, the way that the family courts work these days in, in events of separation is they pull those financial assets together and then take a look at dividing it equally between mm. Um, mm. the, the pairings. So, yeah.
0: And look, and, and that's what I would ultimately, I, I'd, I'd agree, you know, wherever you look at this, you know, when you speak in again, generalizable terms, there's always like a, a sort of counter case of that anecdotally Mm. where it's a there are exceptions to the rule and you know in terms of just pushing back specifically against the sort of red pill case that I Mm. put forward Mm -hmm. it's sort of like you know when you when you commit to marriage Mm -hmm. um that's contractually kind of the commitment you're pulling your resources Mm -hmm. what's yours is theirs and there is this expectation that when you Mm -hmm. separate um You know, there's going to be a a sort of splitting up and allocation, and you know, I I, yeah, I certainly don't think it's like rigged against men, particularly because there are relationships now in which women are actually earning more than their partners. So, um, yeah, yeah.
1: the other thing to to go back to that piece um, is the opportunity cost of um, the woman's earning potential Mm -hmm. or or the men in in a relationship where. Um, you know they might be doing the um, parenting duties uh, and I, I guess to clarify I'm not saying that all all men uh, or all women are doing all of the parenting it's not gender specific. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I sort of agree. Yeah. Now actually there's one you know possibly the biggest uh, you know issue with or, or pushback I think about uh, in relation to marriage which is more relevant i think to the context in which we're living which is less about these sort of traditional archetypes and Mm -hmm. criticisms and that is just um the sort of daunting nature of commitment and sort of Mm -hmm. fear of being stuck with the one person for the rest of your life i mean Mm -hmm. that you know particularly since we're operating in a context Mm -hmm. which is far um you know less dominated by those traditional religious ideologies i think this is a huge reason Mm -hmm. why so many modern couples and sort of people of our generation um are potentially less inclined mm-hmm. to to pursue marriage mm-hmm. you know you've you've got the rise of sort of polyamory or you know more kind of fluid relationships and mm-hmm. yeah the idea of being stuck with the one person literally mm-hmm. stuck you know trapped mm-hmm. um is something that's undesirable mm-hmm. and You know, I sympathize with Mm. that fear just Mm -hmm. on the surface in that like for men and women, Mm. um, it is kind of, it's possibly the most important decision of your life, Mm -hmm. choosing to be with one person Mm. and sharing all the time with that and and everything that's involved with sort of uh, living and spending Mm -hmm. time with another person. It's a big decision that you want Mm -hmm. to get right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, I I mean,
1: I agree. I think it's a valid valid fear. Um, mm. yeah I think it's valid
0: yes I guess though is it is it a, a, a reason to not try like mm. so the alternative to try to find someone and have a committed relationship with them and potentially child rear mm. is well, well what's the alternative to that you find mm. someone that you see kind of Without the commitment, you know, yeah, I, I guess what are the, what are the problems
1: mm-hmm. of
0: not committing, you know? Right. You Are you in this sort of relationship limbo or pur- purgatory, you know, is it?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think part of it is also dependent on what's driving the, um, I guess hesitancy to commit. If it's more of that desire to be in that in a poly, you know polyamorous polyamorous if it's sexual variety or or
0: keeping your options open i
1: i don't know too much about that space but i'm sure there's you know validity in how you want to approach relationships in that area and so i don't think it's a matter of imposing upon uh a monogamous um standard form type relationship and family building experience on that person yeah necessarily if it's um you know alternatively someone who's scared to commit to one person because it limits your options further down the track um, you know I, i'm not too sure what what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah well as you, again you said i think these are all valid fears mm. but the, the 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 question to always come back to is yeah. like well what's the alternative you're kind of mm. just moving potentially through life and you know Mm -hmm. again raising a family if Mm -hmm. that's what you wish to do is going to be very difficult Mm -hmm. without certainty you know Mm -hmm. i think eventually once you have kids you want to think in time spans of decades literally you know Mm -hmm. for 21 years 18 years Mm -hmm. you're going to have to sort of commit resources to raising kids so you do want a level of certainty commitment sure if you never want to settle down or have kids um I can actually, you know, see the argument for for not wanting to anchor yourself to any one person. But I guess, you know, what I would say, and I think that the, you know, more traditionalist proponents of long-term monogamous relationships would argue, is that there are actually a lot of benefits to commitment. We touched on some of the practical mm-hmm. things earlier, but ultimately, you know, just from the perspective of sort of psychological safety, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, personal kind of. Um, growth even if you like mm-hmm. or um, the certainty and space through which to kind of start to long-term plan um, you know commitment actually becomes quite valuable mm-hmm. there's a freedom sorry we we tend to think of commitment as a trap or a limiting of options but what you know a lot of the self-help that I've read uh, would suggest and I think is is ultimately true is that there's freedom in a, in limiting of your options, mm. you know, suddenly, um, you don't become burdened by the kind of analysis paralysis and paradox mm-hmm. of choice mm. that can sort of create, uh, you know, stifling levels of mm. kind of, uh, uncertainty, you know, a, an overbearing sense that, you know, um, there's too many options just yeah. makes you yeah paralyzed yeah. with, with yeah. choice and being yeah. able to sort of move forward and a constant uh, yeah. questioning yeah. of your sort of decision making okay. but if you just choose to commit yeah you don't actually have to think about it's a problem no longer needing to be solved
1: mm-hmm. it's that quote i can't remember who said it freedom within is within discipline and jocko, um, jocko yes yeah. um in that productivity space it, it, i agree with you there's um a sense you know that there's more freedom if you just kind of um put some constraints around how you operate
0: you said it perfectly mm-hmm. yeah. freedom yeah. in constraint mm-hmm. and you know you said in the productivity space it's like to draw an analogy yeah. um creatives you know mm-hmm. if you give a sort of an artist a blank from scratch or mm-hmm. literally no idea you just say create mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that is like stressful that yeah, is like very, yeah doom inducing you know mm. for an artist like whereas you know if you give an artist um just a few different mm-hmm. ideas you yeah. say you know like literally just off just five conditions mm-hmm. through which you know you need to produce mm-hmm. a piece of artwork whatever it might be suddenly within yeah. that structure yeah. worlds of kind of creativity can kind of blossom it, it's-
1: the blank page kind of um phenomenon where a blank page can be a lot more limiting than uh, imposing some rules and constraints to create within and i think um one example and i can't be sure of its validity, but i've heard that dr seuss's cat in the hat was written because he imposed uh some restrictions on i think it was either the um number of words he could use or a number of um yeah rhymes and and so Cat in the Hat was produced out of that. Mm.
0: Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. But
1: yeah, I think going back to the topic of relationships, um, having you know, I, I think there's a bit of a misconception that the grass is green on the outside, and that there's this one true love or this ultimate soulmate to be looking to be looking for you to be looking for. Yeah. And I think we had a chat about this offline as well. It's not. The one, but it's
0: multi- many.
1: It's our one who's right for you now. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, it, it, it's a commitment that you make on an ongoing basis. It's not um, tying the knot and, yep, happily ever after. Happily, ever, Yeah.
0: And so, in many ways, that, you know, I think is a valid criticism of sort of traditional romantic love and even marriage. Mm. It, it, yeah, yeah. is that this, this idea. It's probably not, you know, necessarily religion's um, fault because Mm -hmm. often, you know, religion and more traditional forms of marriage, a lot of them are are very kind of hugely practical. Like Mm -hmm. marriage was literally for the purposes of like acquisition of resources and like marrying families, stopping kind of feuds and Mm -hmm. conflicts. Um, But romanticism came along. And sort of said marriage is about finding, you know, the Mm -hmm. one and this person that sort of makes your dreams come true. And I guess that the genie is out of the bottle in terms of people discovering that to be a fiction. You know, Mm -hmm. they sort of get head over heels for someone for six months or a Mm -hmm. year. And then two years down the track, they fucking hate them. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so that is sort of trashed that notion Mm -hmm. or reason to, to be with someone. But from what you're saying and from what I've sort of have learnt I think as well is that you know that's not necessarily a reason to turn away from monogamy and long term committed relationships it's just you need to take a far more kind of mindful um, strategic approach to your Mm. relationships in which you're acknowledging the fact that you're forever a flawed human being Mm. that's got to work through your shit and um, you know has to kind of I guess always be working on themselves, always be intentional mm. in in relationships and in self-development mm.
1: i couldn't agree more i think you've put it perfectly um there's no such thing as perfection in relationships mm. and so i think it's quite unhealthy to strive towards that notion um of perfection um mm. and to kind of throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. yeah um
0: we love that phrase. Yeah, I love do. it. That's, um, I'll probably <laughs> instilled that in your mind because I, I, I think I've, I say it more than you.
1: You do, but I, I do love that phrase. It's as well. a
0: very good phrase, particularly yeah. in the context of what we're talking about in terms yeah. of, like, you know, tradition yeah. and sort of extracting the, you know, the, all of the, yeah. the little good kind of the gold nuggets yeah, out of yeah. the past and yeah, it's just yeah. such
1: an absurd imagery to think of a, a, a baby, baby going down a plug <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, yeah no. anyway. pretty hard to do but um cool so i guess um the funny thing is is though we've sort of loosely explored um you know all of these perceived kind of detractors from the idea of marriage mm-hmm. sort of steel man marriage mm-hmm. and shown all these benefits to kind of like long-term commitment mm. the pooling of financial resources um, the social stability that it sort of brings and in some ways the personal growth that can kind of emerge from mm. um, constraints mm. the thing that and then you touched on this like right at the start of the podcast that was in many ways all of those strengths that can be attributed to marriage mm actually don't even necessarily have to be specific to marriage in and Uh, of itself mm. you know they're they're put forward as cases for marriage but ultimately you can achieve all of those benefits Mm. from just de facto Mm -hmm. long-term committed coupledom
1: yes i agree i think marriage is just one form of the manifestation of uh these these benefits but there are many different ways that the benefits can manifest in different forms of modern relationships these days. It could be a de facto relationship. It could be, um, y- you know, uh, something else. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I would <laughs> say actually it's mm. kind of only that because only what our conversation has probably mm. revealed is that things like polyamory mm. polygamy forever single mm-hmm. have a lot of downsides that mm. are potentially, not as well, prevalently discussed within what the wider about, culture.
1: Um, what about, you know, just living in a family unit with uh, you and your aunt?
0: Sure, sure. Look, that's, and that's, I think, perfectly fine. Yes. Like, finding a, someone, a partner, whether the opposite sex or same sex, mm-hmm. and having children mm-hmm. and having a nuclear family... Yeah. You know, there's no... You can't objectively say that that's better and more fulfilling than no. just living with your aunt. Yeah. Yeah, some people are just going to derive the, 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 ha- meaning and happiness from mm-hmm. a non-even yeah, yeah sexual Non-sexual, relationship. Yeah. yeah, it's probably unfair of us to, like, elevate that as the pinnacle. Sure, uh, I can agree with that. But... You could say as well that objectively living with your aunt has its downsides in that mm. you can't have sex. Like, if, if you're someone who is not asexual, mm. you probably want to be having sex of some kind An in intimacy. A
1: committed relationship. Yeah.
0: And that's what we, you know, when people, there's that argument that goes around now mm-hmm. that's saying, like, how dare we elevate romantic relationships and, you know, non, we don't elevate relationship, uh, sorry friendship relationships yeah. to the yeah. same status. And I can see where it's coming from. Friendships can be very, very fulfilling, but Mm. whether you're having sex with the person matters. You know, it's just another level of intimacy. Uh, And for those that aren't asexual, which Mm. is like, I'd say, the vast majority of the population, Mm. um, getting your rocks on is Mm. fun. Mm. It's enjoyable. I
1: completely agree with you. I just kind of threw it out there as a, you know, validation that different forms of relationships are equally good Still very meaningful meaningful. and and improve the
0: quality of people's lives. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I do agree with you. I think
0: um, another thing I want, like asexual people have every right to life and existence as much as the next person. We're not, not,
1: not one form of relationship is better than another. Um, But having said all of that, I do agree with you. I think um, humans are wired for connection and intimacy specifically. Um, And so I think we kind of touched on this offline a little bit as well. Um, we do kind of want, or or we do need social connection in that intimate way. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a bit of a fiction to kind of reject that altogether, that we don't need, um, a partner or we don't need uh, intimate social relationships. Yeah. Yeah. If
0: that is what you crave. Mm. And just to push back slightly, you said, you know, um, no relationship is better than the other. I would say, Well, it depends for the purposes of which you want to achieve, you know, Mm -hmm. for child rearing. I think Mm -hmm. everything that we've discussed today Mm -hmm. would indicate that actually a long-term committed Mm -hmm. uh, relationship between two people Mm -hmm. is the superior relationship for child rearing. Not to say that it can't be achieved Mm -hmm. as a single parent Mm -hmm. or um, as... A, as adopted parents or uh, yeah as in a single mm-hmm. parent but um it's just i feel like a, you know a, sorry with the qualifier that a healthy mm-hmm. committed relationship you know yeah, single yeah. parenthood is better than toxic mm-hmm. abusive mm-hmm. you know we're monogamous to committed comparing we're, we're yeah. kind
1: of presupposing that we're talking about healthy healthy stable relationships, relationships. um in every yeah. form I mean, I I do agree with you but I can also see where people would push back and say uh, you know, that they've done it successfully, single parent. Well, Of
0: of course, Mm -hmm. of course. But I feel like I just know from, I grew up in a single parent Mm -hmm. household. I I think all things being equal had the relationship been healthy and happy, it would be better to have another partner to have sex with and help with the Mm -hmm. sharing Mm and burden of childrearing and, and you know sharing of resources like mm-hmm. for, for the for your average person that mm-hmm. isn't you know that, that desires intimacy mm-hmm. and love and support it's better to have mm-hmm. a partner than not in so far as you know it's healthy it's healthy obviously mm-hmm. if it's toxic i'm a proponent of divorce mm-hmm. and to come full circle when you know we started with a discussion about you know the increasing divorce rate mm-hmm. and declining marriage rate this looks bad but it actually could in its infancy be progress because Mm -hmm. you know if there were just heaps of toxic awful unhealthy relationships maybe people getting out of them is a sign of progress because ultimately Mm -hmm. it is better to be absolutely alone and happy than in partnership and miserable
1: i completely agree with that um you know i I think there's a lot of downsides to being in a relationship that's toxic and unhealthy and passing on those behaviors to children if, if uh, it's a you know children based family unit mm. um, I think it's very uh, unhealthy and enough content for a separate episode yeah, yeah.
0: no I agree well look I think we've arrived at a point you know that can probably say that while proponents of marriage mm. you know make a lot of good points mm mm-hmm. Um, they aren't actually sort of specific to marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. you can achieve all of those benefits of commitment um, and monogamy through literally just Mm -hmm. a a de facto Mm -hmm. relationship. However, to give, you know, the the final one last sort of still man to marriage, um, is there something that is just a little bit better, almost like in in argument for marriage in Mm that, Taking that one extra step mm-hmm. of so putting a ring on it mm-hmm. or signing a contract that, you know, um, literally contractually kind of underwrites all of your resources as being shared. Mm-hmm. That, that puts that little extra lock or stamp mm-hmm. on your relationship, yeah. Yeah. binding it in law mm-hmm. that, that creates just that little bit more kind of security yeah, it, it, you know, and privileges mm. or elevates the status of that relationship mm-hmm. over, say, a de facto.
1: I, I think it's a, it's it's nice to have. Like, it's not mm. essential for to uh, reap all of those benefits that we spoke through, but that little cherry on top, that symbolic gesture of, um, uh, to go back to, not, not to open a can of worms about romanticism, but it, it's that romantic gesture, that cherry on top, that. Um, is symbolic of mm. that little bit extra which I, I think matters symbols matter
0: i do too yeah. and but is it purely symbolic so say like you know you're in a um committed de facto relationship mm-hmm. in which you're not married mm. and you say share the same bank accounts and everything mm. by all you know by every practical measure you're mm-hmm. pulling your resources mm-hmm. is it though the case that in separation mm. um you know and litigate the gators get involved or mm-hmm. however that works mm-hmm. um that your relationship would in purely legal terms be of the same status as a marriage
1: and let me preface this by saying that I'm not a lawyer and I'm not qualified to give legal advice but from my knowledge and understanding the the family law courts treat marriage and de facto relationships equally equally especially if if you have a child yeah yeah um, so, so the splitting off of the resources would yes be the same. so they look at your behaviors and how do you act as a couple rather than necessarily some you know the the paper purely who's taking the, in the more contract. stuff yeah and so yeah for all intents and purposes. purposes
0: so yeah so in that context marriage becomes purely symbolic yeah yeah interesting well look i just want to finish on one question and this is putting that question in a personal context Would you say like you and I stay together, um, you know, indefinitely as a committed monogamous relationship, um, would you personally prefer to be married Mm. rather than in the committed de facto for all intents and purposes? I think
1: yes. Um, as kind of stepped through the benefits would be, you know, very similar in a married uh, environment compared to a de facto environment but as I kind of touched on symbols matter and it's it's that extra cherry on top that um, you know caps it all off it's kind of mm. nice to have okay yeah. how about you
0: I'd agree yeah so yeah if I was to summarize I'd say marriage in its best healthiest form Mm -hmm. is the pinnacle and apex of relationships (laughs) but with the caveat that like it's a big if Mm. you know if things you know are not equal and are shit in various different ways well then Mm It's very conceivable that a polyamorous, a healthy polyamorous relationship could mm-hmm. easily be better than a toxic marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. So that hierarchy is not just, just because your marriage doesn't put you at the top of that no, triangle. No, You're no. You're going to be, it, yeah. And that's what I do think some married people are sort of under the illusion that they're better than others just because they're married, even yeah. though they're in this like sexless sort like of unhappy, prison toxic yeah um, and they're just lying to yeah. themselves so yeah. for those who are sort of proponents of, of d- divorce uh yeah they can make a good point there
1: so at the apex is healthy and married and then healthy and then everything else
0: and then everything else exactly yeah well that's at the, that, you know you should really just structure it towards fuck the labels healthy mm. be healthy in whatever you're doing yeah. and that's, that's the apex know,
1: That's another conversation in and of itself. It is. Um, What constitutes a healthy relationship. Healthy and happy because... um, Mm. And
0: it starts with yourself. (laughs) Healthy and happy with yourself.
1: That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree.
0: Cool. All right. Mm. Let's wrap it up there.
1: All right. End. End.